Hello and welcome to the Jonathan Bell Show. This is a show documenting my journey after quitting my 9 to 5 job to pursue a career being a creative. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome to another episode of the Jonathan Bell Show, and we have another segment of Behind the Mic today. Today, all the way from Canada, we have Brooke Pedal on the phone. How you doing, Brooke? Pretty super. <laughs> no pun intended. Anyway, uh, can you let everybody know what you are about? Uh, yeah. Um, what am I about? Well, I'm from Saskatchewan. I was born in a small town. And I've always kind of been a bit of a poet slash writer, like since I was 12 years old. And I'm just embracing a creative time in my life, I think, right now, where I've really stepped into what I want to write about, talk about. And I've been working on uh, a lot of writing, so a blog post once a week, and then multiple poems that I'm trying to write a book. Um, that's, I don't know, that's about all I can think of. Oh, okay. And, uh, so what's, what's been the focus of your writings in your book so far then? Or what, what is, what is the, the primary focus of your thoughts putting onto paper? I always try to write everything from the desire to be a storyteller rather than someone informing on universal or broadcasted truth. So I would say that the subject is always me and how I'm trying to deconstruct things. It might not necessarily be a challenge or a problem or an issue, but something that I'm really trying to pick through and understand that I am currently obsessed with. Okay. <laughs> I think that's... I think that's the best way to put it is it's always a current obsession. So what has been, what was the last current obsession that you wrote about? Well, I can, I can kind of talk about the one that I am working on right now because I'm sort of, I'm still working through that process of deconstructing it into something that's more um, specific to what I'm going to talk about. So I've been like, even this morning I was reading about sense of belonging and habituation in the creative process so I read uh, Virginia Woolf she has an essay a room of one's own and she talks about women in creative let's say society or like the creative structure she was asked to write about women in fiction and she kind of processes that over about 96 pages about women and how they exist in fiction and how they've always been the subject of fiction and then she comes about this idea of having money of your own and a room of one's own in order to be creative or a creative person and how women have largely not had that. They've been possessions and objects. So that kind of brought me into the creative space and definitely my house, my bedroom. Um, I have these creative spaces and how silence is also playing a, a part in that. Um, and solitude. So right now I'm trying to take all of those thoughts, which are kind of not random, but all linked together, and then put that into a blog post. And then through the week, I post pictures and uh, little snippets of poems that emote the things that I'm, I'm thinking about. 
but that's what I'm working on right now. That's pretty dang, pretty dang detailed, Brooke. <laughs> well, it's, it's pretty abstract uh, right now. I guess, like, my last post was, oh, my goodness, now I'm just blanking on what it was even about. Because um, that's kind of how it goes. I, I get really bogged down and obsessed with something. And I can't, I don't even, man, I lose focus on everything else. Um, so intimacy, that's, that's also, I feel like all of these topics that I'm working on right now are, are completely connected and kind of bleeding into each other. So my last blog post was about intimacy and, um, times in my life where I've experienced and felt almost violated by fake intimacy. And how would you describe fake intimacy? Um... Well, I mean, I think we we know what intimacy is, and then we remove the honesty, the presence, and the connection, and we go through the motions. Right. That's yeah. So it's it's like, I mean, how do you describe intimacy? It's it's about connection and presence, and then it it starts to become a noun, a verb an idea in your head of what intimacy looks like, which is different for each person. And fake intimacy is, is someone that takes the time to know you well enough uh, to fake that. Or maybe not. Like, there are some some broad uh, dialogues out there that are intimacy and accepted throughout society. So, you know, there's physical in- intimacy with sexuality, um, there's holding their hands and touching. So that's easily faked as well. Um, phone conversations can be fake intimacy or a feeling of intimacy. Uh, I think that it's something that we all like true intimacy is something that we need and we desire as part of being human. But I think this society is getting globalized, uh, seemingly more and more connected, but also forcing us to be physically and emotionally farther apart. And do you think that's because we have the whole world at our fingertips now and it's easier to meet somebody online than in person? Or do you think that a lot of people don't make the actual effort to connect in real life? I think it's both. It's all of those things. It's different for each person. I mean, when I talk about fake intimacy on a, on a day-to-day level, it's the way that we project ourselves onto the internet because, again, like you just said, because it's easy and it's accessible. We also, time is at a privilege and space. Well, as we globalize, we have less and less time for ourselves. We're putting out more output to create a living and to be comfortable because we have this preconceived notion of what we should and should not be and what is success. Um, and dialing that back and having time and space to be intimate with people is kind of almost becoming a commodity. So we start to fake it. I could see that. I, I, I could totally see where you're, what you're talking about. Also, uh, like a low level, but there's, there's people out there that also are like predators, <laughs> whether they not, they realize it or not. And we've all, been predator and prey at one point in our lives um, to get what we want from people and in a a bit of a shadow part of the self there's also manipulation that occurs with fake intimacy it's dangerous it's very dangerous yeah so that 
I mean, obviously it's it's gotta have to lead up to some point in in your life where you well, I guess I'm trying to ask is like so what so you at the beginning have said that you wanted to or you're kind of coming into writing and sharing more. So what what was the turning point for that for you to want to start being more open with yourself to putting this all out there? Um, I think safety is one thing. I think that it's the physicalities of my life right now uh, that have uh, allowed for me to be creative. Well, 100%. I feel like I've come from a place of fight or flight, um, chasing money, chasing salary, chasing recognition in careers and whatnot, to the point where I just didn't have time to, to work on myself. I didn't have time to be creative. And I'm, I'm comfortable. Um, I have a, a job that's allowing me a lot of my own free time and to work around my schedule. And it's allowing me to now structure my creative space. And again, that's leading into habituation, what I've, what I've been reading about, um, the value of habituation in the brain and process of doing the same thing over and over again. And that's, that's how... I've always shared. I've always, I've always been writing. Um, the sharing has been on smaller levels between family and friends and reading something. And then slowly over like say the last two, three years, I've started, um, putting it out there and putting it on medium and putting it on an, on the internet and on my website. Uh, but I think it's the, the shift that occurred is from a feeling of safety and belonging and, and then habituation and creativity is extremely important to find your voice. I could agree with you on that. I mean, I'm kind of in that boat, too, where, well, I, I guess I could say start, since starting the whole van life and everything and just completely living in the middle of nowhere now to having the time. And and that's and what you said is exactly right, because it's, it's exactly why I chose to come out here and be in the middle of nowhere, Montana, so I could have time to work on all the Superman stuff I'm doing without a bunch of distractions and things of that nature, too. So I totally get what you're saying with that point. Yeah, it's, it's about that feeling of safety, where like physically safe, where you are financially and within a space in order to be creative. Like That's the entire um, narrative or or idea behind A Room of One's Own by Virginia Woolf, which you should read. I mean, it's geared towards feminism, but it is really interesting about um, the idea of creative space being so important. Like, it's incredibly important to have that structure. She writes, okay, so the, the post that I just put was, she says, for women have sat indoors all these millions of years, so that by this time, the very walls are permeated by their creative force which indeed so overcharged the capacity of bricks and mortar that it must needs harness itself to pens and brushes and politics and business. Uh, yeah, it sounds like I'm going to have to read that book. <laughs> well, it's an essay, and it's it's very easy to find in PDF copy on the internet, so there you go. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I'll check it out. So what's, what's going to be the focus of your book then? Is it just a collection of everything you're doing now, or do you have a specific thing you're working towards? Just poems. Um, that's one thing. I think I've, I mean, I don't mean to be, like, egotistical, but 
I think that I found a pretty good rhythm with my my writing in blog format, um, essay format. Let's say I hate this idea that it's a blog, but it is. Um, <laughs> and I, I think I need to work on my poetry. And I my drive was to go back to that. That's like the original thing that I did is when I was, you know, ever since I could write, I've been writing poetry. I have books and books and journals lying around, but I haven't really evolved into a style. So I'm trying to evolve into a style and then reduplicate so that I have, uh, you know, enough to put into a book. Mm, So you're trying to just streamline some stuff a little bit more. Yeah, poetry, I, I like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find my style. So I'm also reading a lot of poetry and um, and trying to break down poems that I really, really love, memorize them, and understand what's drawing me to them so that I can also kind of work on myself and how I am writing and creating poetry. That makes a lot of sense, Brooke. Well, I think that you have to, I think it would be, um, it's unrealistic to think that everything is created within a vacuum. And I'm not copying, but I'm looking at copies of styles and themes that are out there in modern poetry. I definitely, but I also read, I read poetry from every culture and every language that's translated. Um, I studied arts and literature of Chinese history. And one of the biggest themes um, in Chinese literature and painting is that is in order to be a painter or a master or create anything, you have to reference countless thousands of years of art within the piece that you were working on, or it was deemed worthless. And uh, it was considered cannibalistic and very much judged during the Cultural Revolution, but... I mean, they were very specific on the terms in which they created art and reduplicated other art. But I think that exists in every culture, and, and that's just how we are, especially, again, with globalization and how many people are out there creating. We are, are so affected by each other. That is true. And do you think that, um, oh, I know, like, nothing ever really is truly original, but how, how hard do you think it is to have your own voice in, in a globalization time like it is now? challenging as other people because I spent so much time in solitude um, by myself meditating and thinking and working on my things but maybe that is just a, a uniform thing with creative people is that we do spend a lot of time in solitude so I don't think it's that difficult I, I think I think it's difficult when you're not really doing creative work when you're just reduplicating Right, which so is probably fine, right? No, yeah, I hear you. It's just, uh, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, um, but I was just saying how, especially like for example, like with Instagram and everything, how people, no matter what they might want to do, a lot of people are scared to do so because of how it's going to be received, because it's on such a big platform where there's only like you know, a certain amount of stuff that's trending at the, at the moment, you know, and I say a lot of people, 
not just because like one or two people have said it, but because we see it every day, how you, you know, you can't go through your Instagram stories or go on Twitter without seeing somebody at least saying something like, um, you know, like, oh, I put so much work into this and, and nobody it like sees it and this, this and that. And, and then on the other hand, you see, you know, the exact same thing 50,000 times because they know it's going to get attention because it's trendy. So that is definitely a role to try to break out of being a creative because you could be a creative all you want to. But it's are you being a creative to yourself or are you just trying to get recognition to make yourself feel better, if that makes sense? And I would just deconstruct all of that and say that this is a problem with validation. And that is something that is centuries and centuries old in all of creative work art, painting, you know, Van Gogh wasn't recognized until after he shot himself in the chest, suffered for several months and died. Like no one's, no one gets validation on their own terms. I think that in order to be truly creating, um, you have to try and get your ego out of it and try not to seek validation and just do it for yourself. And and that is one thing that I, I, I talked about that again today is that I am not for everyone. And I think that's just, that should be like the, the sounding voice of everyone out there is I'm not for everyone. It it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you're creating or how many likes you get or what's trending or if you're recognized, you just have to do it for yourself. That is total. I mean, I I totally agree with you on that. I just, you know, yeah. And, and that's hard. It's, it's finding your audience is, I mean, there's, it, I guess it all depends on how you want to go. If you want to actually like make something out of yourself as in to like, you know, earn money or make a living, then one of those steps you're going to have to do is try to find your audience. If you're not trying to do this stuff and just put it out there for yourself, then that's a whole different route. But I know it's, it's hard because I think, it, and I only think it's hard because people aren't thinking about the long-term goal of, of how long that stuff actually last you know i think that sounds like a business plan more than it sounds like being creative and putting your work out there i think that i i think i don't really believe that to be honest like i know that you you're i know what you're doing and i know your process is and, and you're finding an audience and putting yourself out there and getting recognition like everyone else is including myself but i think that people see through people's intention you know if you're putting stuff out there to get find your audience People aren't dumb. They're going to see that. I think that you're going to find your audience by not looking for it and to, and by being truthful to what you want to process and put out there, not creating an image or, or anything else. I mean, there's logarithms and algorithms and whatever else is on Instagram. <laughs> and I get like frustrating to put all this work into being creative and then putting it on platforms and not getting any recognition. But like, that's, that's our ego. That's, that is so separate from creative energy. Um, you know, in, in yoga, they believe in, in energetic bodies within the body, like a Russian doll and, um, the ego is the outer layer, blah, 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 all the way to the center. And if one is thrown out of alignment, like it's sucking more energy than the others, it throws everything out of alignment. And then you have this imagery of the hungry ghost in Buddhist mythology. That's like, if you chase lust, greed, and I would 
I would venture to say recognition is in there as well. Um, you become a hungry ghost in the next life and you're like, you have this tiny little throat and this big belly and no matter how much you eat, you can't be full. And I really think that that's, that's kind of like the creative devil or the devil and all of creative influences is recognition, the hungry ghost in all of us. That's a great analogy, Brooke. Yeah, I went a lot deeper there than I thought I would. <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty, it's, it's, it makes a lot of sense. Now you had mentioned yoga and I know you, that you do yoga and you do a lot of different breathing techniques. How has that, how has that helped you with your creativity? I think it's, it's the sounding board for me. I think it's the space that, um, I, I have to be creative. I think creativity is about clearing your mind and, and processing what's really important to you. Um, and what really makes you, what drives you, your passion. And I think that without meditation, breathing practices and dedication to that, I would have no space within myself to be creative. I would be inundated with, you know, thought everyone else's thoughts in the day and all that other stuff. Whereas I spend about an hour at least a day clearing that all out and getting to what's important. And there's times in meditation that anyone will say and agree with is that you hear what they call Mio Tote, the thousand voices screaming around you of society. And then eventually it all clears and you feel hear what's really important. And that is where I drive a lot of my creative influence about what I'm working on is that I'm clearing away. I'm, they talk about tending the garden. And I think honestly, I wouldn't have the structure and the ability to be that creative without my meditation and breathing practice. Yeah. You know, I've been, cause I know that you, you post videos and stuff on this and I've honestly been meaning to ask you like to send me some YouTube videos or references so I could start. Cause I'm, I'm trying to make myself do all, do that more. I know we talked about with the stretches and everything too, but um, I do want to try some of those breathing practices that you do. And Pranayama. it's called pranayama, okay. and it's the it's interacting with the pranic layer of the body. So this is going back to koshas and how we're like Russian dolls. Um, you know, the yogic practice and the breathing practice is about balancing those energetic layers to get to the soul. I will look that up. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Yoga philosophy is not for the faint of heart. It it takes a lot of like time to like digest and, and, and put meaning to it in your own way. I think all the stuff that I read, all I'm doing is just in an egotistical way, everything that I read and everything that I'm drawn to and everything that I'm working on yoga, whatever is just like, Trying to discern why it's important to me. Well, I mean, it makes sense because it's applying to you. Yeah, I mean, that's the only way that we we keep things in our lives is is if we can we can find it a component that's important to us that we won't lose it. So that's why that's another reason why yoga and meditation and pranayama is so important to me is because um, I've derived such meaning from it that I can't lose it now. It's it's always going to be in my life. Oh, that makes sense. It really does. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for that, Brooke. Yeah, no worries. There's tons of stuff on the internet. Like anyone who's interested in getting into 
um, pranayama and like self-exploration, I mean, you can just Google like yoga breathing techniques on YouTube. And then I think that you have to have the confidence in yourself to just go, yeah, that one works for me. I'm going to do that. And that's pretty much all it is really, right? Is just being able to discern what you need. Yeah, you're right. It, you're right. It's true. Um, so lastly, I want to ask you, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, I'm on Instagram. So, and then I have a link on there to my website as well. So my name on Instagram is just Brooke, B-R-O-O-K-E, and then L-R-P. And then my website is Brooke Pedal. So it's just my last name, P-E-D-D-L-E.org. And then slash blog if you want to just go straight to the blog. The other stuff is just like where I teach yoga and boring shit like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, you're not that boring, but hey. All right. um, I can be. I can be pretty like banal some days. I just snuck that in there because I love that word. Well, I'm sure you're going to make that the word of the day for a lot of people. So that's great. <laughs> oh, yeah. People, well, whoever listens to this, I'm sure is going to look it up and see if they remember what it means or not. <laughs> hey, you never know. You never know. But, Brooke, I really do appreciate you wanting to come on and share a little bit about yourself and some of the things that you're working on and your insights into these topics. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me, and thank you for reeling me back into the questions, because I tend to extrapolate quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's fine. That's the whole point of this, is to share what you're feeling. So, um, I mean, before we get off, is there anything else that you wanted to say? I mean, we, we're we talking about you and what you, how you feel and giving your insight on things. So if there was anything before the end of this that you wanted to talk about, you have the floor. If not, it's understandable. to anybody out there that's listening that has doubt within themselves is just to let it go my my teacher always says that you know what you want you know what makes you happy it's so simple and I think that's so important is to recognize that we have our own inner compass it's guiding us whether you hear it or feel it and to trust that instinct And that is where we truly become part of our path and not, you know, victim to it. I like that. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad that came out um, succinctly. (laughs) (laughs) I've clearly had enough coffee. Thanks again, Brooke. I really, really, truly appreciate you taking the time to come on. No problem. Have a great day. <laughs> you too. Okay. All right. right. And folks, that was Brooke Pedal. You could find her on Instagram at Brooke LRP or on the web at brookpedal.org. Once again, thank you for tuning in to another episode to learn a new perspective, story, or insight from somebody else. And I will see you in the next episode.